Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. So we're going to be in the book of James, and I know y'all are finishing up, so I'll give you a chance to get there. And uh, the book of James. We have teen convention coming up, and uh, the hotel uh, that we're using, um, we have rented so many rooms. They've given us the ballroom, that great big room for free. And that room rents for about $800. And so they said, since you're having so many rooms uh, for teen convention, um, that y'all can use that. And so Brother Birch and I were talking, and I want to have a, a midnight pizza party for all the teenagers. And so we're going to kind of see if we can set a record at, at putting together scriptures. And so, man, I'm excited. So I have a pizza on one side. We'll do the pizza after we put together scriptures. That way, <laughs> that way everybody getting the Bible is not getting uh, pepperoni. Amen. And uh, so James chapter 2, and we're walking through James chapter 2, and, and, and I want to kind of just walk through this. And so uh, we now have arrived at verse number 5, and uh, we're going we're gonna to recap everything that we've talked about up to this point, and then we're going to talk about verse number 5, because verse number 5 is very important to the mindset if I could gather every church together, and if I could just say, look, your assembly of how people walk into your assembly, the mindset that you have totally makes the difference on one, I think first and foremost, I think it makes the difference on the power of the gospel. Um, the gospel um, is something that goes to people that have nothing, they are nothing, and we are not talking about material things. We're talking about when a man comes to a point to where he recognizes, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior because there's no good that I have. At that point is when the gospel is very attractive to him. But if he comes into a church that is playing this game of, well, look at how you look. So let's, let's kind of get into this. And there's a couple of pivotal things. Probably the, the, the most famous verse of this chapter um, if, if you'll look at verse 17. So when somebody talks about James, uh, they go, see, see, um, works are required for salvation. And they'll pull out James chapter 2 and verse 17. Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. So, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, verse 18 qualifies verse 17. So understand that you and I, the moment you and I trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's good enough for Jesus. And at that point, Acts 15 tells us that he gives you his Holy Spirit as the witness. Okay, So the moment you and I trust Jesus as our Savior... The Holy Spirit's given to us to where Jesus looks at us and he goes, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that brought me out of the grave. You are sealed with that spirit. Therefore, that's good enough for me. 
James 2 is not about us trying to prove to God we are saved. James 2 is proving to everybody else around us we are saved. Where God sees us, he sees his blood, his son's blood. He sees the Holy Spirit of God sealing us. But man doesn't see that. And because man does not see that, so now with that in context, go back to verse number one. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So just by way of review very quickly, when we talked about verse number one, we talked about the fact that if you if you wear the Jesus t-shirt, you have the fish on the back of your car, if you say, I am a believer, but you are not loving mankind as Christ loved mankind, for God so loved the what? World that he gave his only... So there is this world. So now let's talk about Calvinism. Calvinism says that there is a select group uh, that's been selected by God to go to heaven. That, that, that is not true. Um, I personally believe that there are a couple of scriptures in the Bible that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. Um, that uh, for God so loved the world, that doesn't have to be qualified. And then there's a verse that says, um, rejoice not that devils are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then in Revelation, it talks about being blotted out of the book of life. But then in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, I believe it, whosoever was not found, not 28, 21, 8, down through 21, don't help me. Uh, but whosoever was not found written in the book of life. So I truly believe that it was never in God's nature that anyone should perish. So I believe this, I believe everybody's name is in the book of life and that they have to consciously reject Jesus. Here's how I came to that conclusion. I was worried about RG. I'm sure, Brother Hicks, there are times that you and Miss Lisa worry about Hunter. What happens in eternity, man? What happens with our boys? And then you think about the Wangers, and you think about the Lawrences, and you think about those people that God, our special needs children. So I had to go on a study because I was grieving over the fact that, that what if RG does not? Well, then I got to really reading about the nature of God and how that God's not willing that any should perish. He was long-suffering. 120 years he waited as the ark was being prepared. And, and I truly believe after studying God's word that just like he quickly made a way for Adam and Eve to be redeemed, I believe they're in there. How else do you, you talk, how else do you describe when a child dies? Then you got to play this mind game. Well, well, I hope they trusted Christ. I hope that that's why the Catholics believe in original sin. And, uh, and, and a dear lady I led to the Lord that uh, was a Catholic and, and was a nurse, I, we were talking about all the doctrines of the Catholic Church, and she said, she said, Pastor, can I tell you something? She said, now that I'm saved, everything makes sense because, because Catholicism teaches that when a baby's born, they're born with original sins. This is why they have to be baptized when they're young. She said, Pastor, there were times when the baby was stillborn that we quickly called the priest and the, quickly, the priest quickly took the baby and put it under water so that they could at least have a chance. Now, know this, that um, people who die and go to hell are people who reject Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
So that's how you have to come to grips. So when you're looking at this, the Lord's not willing that any should perish. So then verse number two, so now he gets in the context of this. He said, for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Now we talked about this last week, and we talked about it in context of there, this assembly, somebody comes in can, at, at the same time, one with goodly apparel, one with vile raiment. The Bible says if he comes into our assembly and we don't carry Christ's heart from verse number one, if we don't have this, but we are respecters of a person, what we automatically say is that the person with the goodly apparel, we need to put in a permanent, prominent spot and then the person in vile raiment, we just simply stand here. And if you'll look at, look at verse number, um, oh, good night. Verse number three at the very end. Stand thou here or sit here under my footstool. So, so in connotation, it means when, when we kind of need somebody to ease footstool, I'm tired. I, I want to ease my feet. The connotation here is this. They become a token. There's a lot of churches that show pictures of doing things once every five years because they want people to think they're token. And, and it's sad, and I'm not judging church, I'm telling you this is fact, that they would much rather go out to the community and service people in the community rather than have those people come into the house of God. Y'all listen, when we walk through those doors, all of us lose our social economic standard or position because no matter how great we are out there in here we're all sinners this is his house and so that's why he said that this assembly so then we we verse number four are you become judges of evil thoughts and i'll let you go back and watch last week so now there are three laws here there is the royal law and if you would, if we keep reading down through here, and I want to just talk about these three laws, then get to verse number five. Um, look at, look at verse number eight. If ye fulfill the what, please? Royal law according to the scripture. What is the royal law? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay. Now that, go back to Leviticus chapter 19. So go all the way back. This royal law is found in its origination in, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. But this is the end of the law. So what Christ quoted was not the entire law. Would you look, and this was amazing, when I started researching exactly where did this come from, look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But, and then here's where it's quoted, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But would you look at the very first part of that? And this, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. This law is totally wrapped up in our assembly. Sometimes we think, well, it's a neighbor, somebody I don't even know. The context of this law is the children of thy people. And when we come into the house of God, anybody, everybody is welcome at this assembly. And here is why because Christ welcomed us into the family and he didn't hold against us everything that we were. So this is his assembly. So now 
it's a true revealing. When somebody walks through these doors and comes to visit, no matter who they are, it's getting ready to reveal to us, our church, what our heart is, what our mind is, what our motives are. So now in the next next 20 minutes, let's look at, if you will, verse number five. Well, I, I told you about the three laws. So there's the royal law, and then there's the whole law, and that's found in verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. This is directly, he's trying to separate two things. There's no way you're going to keep the whole law because there's no way you can be justified in the sight of God because if you broke one of the commandments, you broke all of them. And this is why you need a savior. And this is why he said there's no way you can be all in everything to everybody, but you can do this. You cannot be partial nor respecter of persons. And this is the royal law. And then there's one more law mentioned here, and, uh, and that is found in verse, so you have the royal law in verse number eight. You have the whole law in verse number 10. But then look at verse number 12. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the what? Law of what? Liberty. There's only two times this phrase is found, and this is what we're going to be judged by. Okay, now, now understand this. A lot of people uh, think that, well, you know, when I meet Jesus, I, uh, I won't have to face anything. That's not true. It's a different kind of judgment. But it is called the judgment seat of Christ. And what Baptists with eternal security have done is we have whitewashed the fact that one day, what did he say? You're going to give an account and you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So what are we going to be judged by? We're going to be judged, according to this verse, the, the law of liberty. It's only found one other place. Go back to James chapter 1 in verse 25. James chapter 1 and verse number 25. So if you go back up to verse 22, here we go. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the law of the what, please? The, per the perfect what? law of liberty and continueth in therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the what? Work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. And it's very interesting, he breaks into the tongue. If, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridle not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father, is to visit what, please? The fatherless and widows in their affliction. So what it means is this. What you are being taught right now is the same thing that James was trying to teach the believers. And what he was saying was, what I am teaching you is the word of God. And once you have looked into the perfect law of liberty, if you just go on about your day. For instance, if this coming Sunday, two people walk through that door and one walks through in goodly apparel, and one walks through in vile arraignment, vile arraignment, and your first tendency is to run to the one with goodly apparel and stay away from the one with vile arraignment, then you're going to be judged by the law of liberty because we have been taught and we are teaching now that, look, 
if somebody comes into our assembly, it doesn't matter because everybody is welcome. Everybody should be accepted. I, I didn't get permission to use this, but I don't think the, the, the gentleman will mind me using it. But, but he, he said, you know, he has a family member and, and uh, everywhere he goes, he gets bullied. And, and he was kind of, you know, what kind of atmosphere is at the church down there? Do you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I would be very disappointed in one of our teenagers if they bullied a young person. But do you know where that kind of attitude comes from? Of not bullying, accepting people? It starts from the pastor and works its way down to the deacons and works its way down to the men of the church and works its way all the way down to where everybody understands nobody's better than anybody else. You know, my dad used to tell me, son, he puts his britches on the same way you put your britches on one leg at a time. I said, yeah, but daddy, his britches cost $50 more than my britches. And he said, that means he can't have fun. He's got to worry about them. So I understand that, that all of a sudden you and I've got to go, no, it doesn't make a difference. Again, yes, at your house, no, 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 he's not coming in. I'll let him in. But this isn't our house. This is God's house. So now we come to verse number five. So when you look at verse number five, it says this, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? So let's break this down. That word hearken right there. The hardest conversation you'll ever have with somebody is somebody who is prejudiced. The hardest conversation you'll ever have is when somebody next to you thinks they're better than that person over there. Even those of us who should know better. We all slip into this and true Christianity is somebody to step up and very lovingly say, hearken. And what James was saying, because look at the very next verse in 6, and we'll get to it in, in our next lesson. Look what he says. But ye have despised. You know what James is saying? Let me tell you that God has said, look, if somebody comes into your assembly and somebody is in goodly apparel and vile raiment and you prejudge, all of a sudden, and this is what's going on in your heart, then it's going to come out in your conversation to where, oh, oh, you sit here, you stand over there, and people will pick up on this. But then he says, hearken. Miss Kelly and I had taken one of the ladies um, here at the church out to eat. We were sitting at Panera Bread and um, probably about a year and a half ago. And there was a gentleman that was obvious that he was homeless and and he had come into Panera Bread, and, and he was sitting over there, and, um, and he had taken a uh, cup off a table, and he had taken this cup, and he, had taken, and he had taken a napkin, and he wiped out the cup, got up and went over to the water fountain, uh, to the Pepsi thing there, and got some water, and came back and sat down. Your pastor made a smart quip about it. I, I, just, I, I, was, I was in the flesh. I was carnal. I made a smart quip. This lady sitting there said, Pastor, I used to be homeless. And can I tell you, that's a very lonely place to be. And the only way I made it is because people showed me Christ. 
I felt about that tall. Nobody's exempt from someone saying, you need to listen. That's not right. And what we've done is, is we've allowed other people's prejudices to make us run and hide rather than call them out on it. Now, I'm not saying beat somebody, but I am saying this, that if you're ever in this assembly and somebody makes that kind of smart crack, then it is somebody needs to say, hearken, because that's not fair. And that's not right. And sometimes the reason churches get very quiet like this is because you're like your pastor. We're all guilty. Because we think we own the pew we sit on and we think we own the parking spot we're in. There's one parking yeah, Brother Jake, you own that pew right there. There's one parking spot out there. Don't park in by accident. And it's the expectant mother parking spot. And uh, so, so hearken. And uh, hearken. So here we go. You ready? And uh, so hearken. So then he says this, my beloved brethren. I think the only thing that allows this voice given, to be given is the fact that, that we're close. This is why unity needs to stay close around the things of God. Because open rebuke is better than secret love. That's what the book says. Iron does what, please? Sharpeneth iron. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A brother is born for adversity. And what James was telling them, because this is the second time in this phrase, he says, my brethren. The first time was in verse number one. This time he goes, my beloved brethren. So what he's saying is, let's be close and let me be that voice of conscience in your world. That this, this is not how this assembly should go. So my beloved brethren, hearken. Now let's, let's, let's look at this very closely. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world? Rich in what? Faith. Now this is a very interesting, it almost sounds like God is a respecter of persons. So it almost sounds like what we just read in verse number five, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith? It almost looks like, well, God, you just told us not to be a respecter of persons. And all of a sudden you're saying you've chosen the poor? He's not chosen the poor because they're poor, just like he didn't choose the rich because they're rich. It all comes down to this, faith. Which one is rich in faith? What he's trying to tell us is, is that we don't know. We don't know what's going on inside the heart and the soul of somebody based on how they're dressed. But boy, we like to play this game, don't we? I, you know, sometimes um, Kelly and I, when we're together sitting in the car, we'll go, okay, I wonder why they're coming out of that store. And we try to imagine why they came out, what they're doing. And sometimes I'm like, well, I'm going to go ask them to settle this one, who's right and who's wrong. And she's like, no, don't go ask them, Bob. Uh, so so it's, it's one of those things. Now, if you would, go to Matthew, if you will. Math, I mean, Mark chapter 19. This is so in keeping with who Christ is because Mark chapter 19. I'm sorry, Matthew 19. What did I say, Mark? And I hope I got the right book. 
I do. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we go. Look at Matthew chapter 19 and verse verse 22. He's coming on the heel of talking to a rich man. Then he says this. So the rich man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So now let's look at verse 23. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And so I love verse 25. When his disciples heard it, they were amazed. Who then can be saved? Look at verse 26. Don't you love this? With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It is possible that God can break through the riches that somebody has to get them to the point where they realize they need a Savior. But now let's look at this in context of James chapter 2. Here comes somebody with goodly apparel, vile raiment. We immediately, James is saying, don't, don't judge them by their appearance. And, and, and somebody needs to step up and tell you, stop this. Because if God has to choose, he is going to choose, and let's go back to James chapter 2, verse 5, he's going to choose the poor of this world. And here's why. They have nothing else but their faith. In fact, I would tell you that the people who, and, and, and again, and, and, and I'm going to go somewhere here for about five minutes, in about five minutes, but, but those who have nothing, they live a life, whether they realize it or not, they live a life of faith. If all they have is in a backpack, and I'm just going to use God's terminology if we could, if all they have is vile raiment, and that's all that they, they truly live more by faith. They just don't realize they do. Sir, where are you going to sleep? I don't know. Sir, what are you going to eat? I don't know. Sir, where's your next $5 coming from? I don't know. So when you tell them there's a God that you can't see, that sent a son you've never seen, that died on a cross, and he's going to give you a home in heaven, they live this way all the time. When we were part of the East Texas Food Bank and we would give away food and and uh, some of the churches here agreed that we needed a we needed an organized place that this is what they did 24/7 and that's why the dream center just down the road um kind of became a couple of churches outlet because they can do a much better job facilitating it and we have food that we give away but it was amazing that one day there's a bunch of people lined up cars lined up everywhere well in these cars there was this man standing there um, with a backpack around his back, and you could tell it didn't have anything in the backpack. And, um, and I said, sir, <laughs> where, where'd you park your car? And he goes, no, I don't have a car, I walked. I said, where'd you walk from? He said, White Oak. And I said, um, how did you, did you know? How, how, how did you? He goes, no, somebody at a store said that down there at Longview Baptist Temple, they're giving away food sometime this morning. He said, so that's all I needed. I just heard it, and I took off walking. And I'm lucky because I made it just in time. 
the poor don't even realize they live already by faith. So when you tell them there's a home in heaven and that Jesus will save you, and you may be a pauper down here, but you're going to get it all in it. Because look at the very end of the verse. God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and what? Heirs of the kingdom. When you start talking in terms of hope, faith, sustenance, God will take care of you. What else do they have to give up? Nothing. Nothing. And this is why God said, when these two walk through, is this a house of sight or is this a house of faith? Which one is it, y'all? House of faith. Is this about padding your pocketbook or is this about building your spiritual man? So when God looks at it, he doesn't look at it like a social club. He looks at it, and that's what James was trying to tell them. He's looking at it through the eyes of don't let that vile raiment fool you because they may not have much on this earth, but boy, are they rich in faith. That is what this assembly is all about. Can I have you write down three words if you're taking notes? You go from being poor to being rich to being blessed. It's a progression because look at what it says there. But the poor of this world, rich in faith, and what? Heirs of the kingdom of God, which he hath promised to them that love him. And all of a sudden, you and I are surrounded by people. So let me put this in, in. How does this verse sit with this assembly? Here's how the verse sits with this assembly. That you and I must come not relying upon our riches for our status, but relying upon our faith for our status. Okay? I'm going to say it again. We do not come in here touting our riches to give us standing. We come in here touting our faith to give us a connect. The thing that makes a service amazing, just amazing, is this one fact that everybody can be welcome and everybody can have a connect, although they come from totally different backgrounds, totally different, different genres, different races, different ethnic groups, different social classes. And the true test of a church is a James chapter 2 church is the diversity of the church. And, and, and that's one thing that I love is that, okay, so pastor, are you telling me I'm, I, 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 I shouldn't judge anybody? No, judging is what keeps you alive. You know, use your common sense. Don't, 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 you know, brother, brother, um, one of my friends was talking about Mexico. And he says, when I go to Mexico, I wipe all my family's name out. I don't wear any watches, any rings. I, I just, I don't wear any of that kind of stuff. Use caution. Yes, but where you're in here, this is the Lord's assembly. And if all of a sudden we go, we, they shouldn't be here. That person shouldn't be allowed to be here. What is that person doing here? Then at that point, this isn't the kind of church Christ died for. And it just means that if God's blessed us, don't let the, don't let the blessings make you poor in faith. 
And don't let the blessings become the focal point. It's not. But here's the good thing about it is, the more that you believe in Jesus Christ and the more you follow his word, the more you're going to be blessed. And if you're a second-generation Christian, you're living off of some of the blessings that mom and dad, you're still walking in some of those blessings. Bob Gray is walking in the blessings of Bob and Leanne Gray from all those years that they took me to church and made sure I, I was in church and made sure I had what I needed to have and made sure that I tithed and made sure I was, did this and made sure I honored the Lord. I'm living in those blessings. And so I just think church, because if you'll, he's getting ready to rebuke them in verse number six. Look at it. But you have, you have despised the poor. Look what it says. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme the worthy name by which you, have, you are called? So what he's trying to tell us is this, that if we become partial to those who look good and then partial against those who look bad, this is not what the assembly is all about. But do understand that the more God blesses you, the more you're going to be blessed, y'all. I love what Vernon Lovelady said one time when we came back from a missions trip and I stood up. He was the president of our college at the time. And I said, uh, boy, we're blessed. He said, Pastor, you're not ble- we're not blessed, we're spoiled. And I was like, ooh, ooh, that hurts because that's true. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.